0: That earned me that intro. We were just saying, did Duncan just get out of jail in that uh, video? Anyway, how's everyone doing today? Awesome. So, like uh, like Pastor Rob was saying, uh, he wasn't necessarily going to be here today, but he's here. So, I get the feeling like, you know, when you're in class and the principal like walks into the room just to like observe that's how I feel right now. Uh, so pray for me um, that uh, everything goes well. Otherwise, I'm in trouble. Um, we had an awesome weekend. Um, I just want to mention uh, we had a Kairos one day, which uh, was was um, three churches from the camp we go to. They uh, they all met here, and their names the names of the churches are HCC and L three. Not to be confused with cell phones, um, but I guess yeah, I don't know. So are we TWC? Is that what they call us? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so we had an awesome weekend. Um, you know, youth from three different uh, churches were here uh, all day yesterday, um, and we just had an awesome time of uh, worship, uh, some some preaching. And uh, they did some breakout sessions, and it was, it was, it was a really great time. I want to say thank you to uh, everyone um, from all the churches, but specifically our churches that made it happen. Um, they they dedicated a, a nice big Saturday um, to to make that go off with with without a hitch, and it went great. And it was awesome. So huge thank you to everyone who is a part of that. Um, we are in the second week of our series called Witness. And uh yes, Pastor Rob, we did decide to go with your instructions. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought about like, JP, we could like make up a different series and then make it like something really hard for him to try and wrap up and like, you know, and just see like, here you go. But uh but no no. So so we so we've been in this series uh called Witness. Um and our key verse for this for the series is Acts one eight. Um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Um, Now, this word witness, I talked about this um, a few months ago on a Wednesday night. For me, um, there's like a little bit of baggage that comes with this word witness for myself. Like, there's a little bit of makes me cringe a little bit sometimes i don 't know if i 'm the only one like this um, actually, just a few weeks ago, um, I went down to Austin and I was at the Austin City Limits Music Festival. I love music a lot. actually, one of my favorite bands, my favorite band of all time, was there the first night and I was like i don 't think i 'm going to ac i 've gone like four times I was like, I think that part of my life is over because I have like kids now, you know, but when it came out that my favorite band of all time was, like, going to be there. And Radiohead, if you haven't heard of them, they're, they're weird music. Like, my parents are like, what is this? But I'm kind of a weird person, so it makes sense. Like, weird people listen to weird music. You don't expect, like, a, a weird person to listen to normal music. So, I mean, so I love it. So, anyway, so I was like, I have to go. Um, I don't know how many more chances I'll have to see them. So So I went. And, and I kind of forgot about it a little bit, but um, they played the first night, and as we're exiting, um, there's some people that wait by the exit, well, right outside the gates of the festival, and they have ladders and megaphones, and they're, like, standing up there with signs saying, like, you're going to hell! Everyone here is going to hell! And, and I'm like, am I, though? You know, like, I feel like that's a big presumption to make to someone you don't know at all, you know. And, um, I mean, I, I, you know, the, the Bible does say, you know, there will be people, um, they get to heaven, and God says, I never knew you, and, and, and I'm humbled by that, you know. And, and, and so that's why I seek to make sure and think about, like, what, what, what am I doing? Do I know God, you know. And, and, and I feel like I do. Hopefully I do. Um maybe you guys can pray that I do, because otherwise I'm in the wrong uh career path big time. Um so like a doctor that uh doesn't believe in medicine, I guess. I don't know. Um uh, that's not me. Okay, I want to clear that up. That's not me. Um so so I've had like a few encounters like this where people are, you know, um spreading the good news, right? In a way that, you know, as as a Christian, as a pastor, you know, I really like, I'm, you know, I'm just like, it's not worth, like, I just kind of, part of me wants to, like, walk over and see how much, like, time I can waste of theirs, like, by talking to them so that they're not shouting through the megaphone at everyone else, like, for a little bit. But have, have, have you guys ever had that experience? You've been told you're going to hell after you've been saved by Jesus Christ, right? That's happened to you? Um, that is not wi- what witnessing is. Whatever whatever that is, I want you to take that. I want to take. The, I want you to take that experience. I want you to put it in a box and disassociate the word witness. What we're talking about does does not have to do with the ladders and the megaphones and and, and stuff like that. Is that okay? Does that make sense? Um, being a, this is not being a witness. Um, you can say you understand that you cannot save anyone's souls. What you can do is tell people about the one who can save souls. That is our job as Christians. To to tell people about the one who who forgives sin, who loves, who can save people from hell. We can we can be a, a witness. To that, so I want I want you to think about this this uh, this word witness in in like the jiu the jujitsu ju, 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 no uh, judicial sense you know like like almost like criminals or or you know like you're on the witness stand right think about you are on the witness stand and, and someone comes up to you and says is it is it true that God is loving and you could say yes. I have witnessed God's love. I can testify that I have seen his love in my own life. That is true. And you can tell people about the love that you've experienced. This this word witness is about testifying to God's character. It's about telling other people who don't know who God is, what God is like. That you can say, you can look at your own story and your own experiences and you can say, that I know what God is like, and he is, he is loving, and he is kind. Um, we're going to explore a couple of these characteristics of God uh, throughout this series. Last week, um, J.P. talked about the love of God and being a witness to God's love, and I, and I loved his sermon last week so much. Um, I'm not, I, just, I love hearing Pastor J.P. and Nikki speak because... Um, they are, like, so full of love. And I was, like, this is, like, right up uh, JP's alley, like, talking about this. As you were speaking last week, I just kept on thinking about, um, you know, that, like, scene in The Grinch where, like, you know, it shows how the size of his heart inside him. And then it's, like, bigger, smaller. And, and I just, like, think of JP and Nikki. And I'm, like, they, like, my heart is, like medium-sized, maybe large. I'll give myself large. <laughs> it's large, but but like JP and Nikki's heart is like triple XL. You know what I'm saying? Like they have the biggest hearts, and it's so awesome to like hear them talk about that, and, and I was like, this is awesome. I just love that. Um, today, what we want to focus on is God's mercy. We want to talk about God is merciful, and how we can be a witness to that. If you put the scripture 1 Peter uh, two nine up, now I love um, Peter's like one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Um, sometimes he gets it he gets it so right, he like nails it on the head, and it's so good. And then there's lots of other instances where Peter is way off, and it reminds. It reminds me of someone that I know, um, Pastor Rob. Just kidding, it's me. Um, I, I'm, I'm, most of the time I feel like I'm way off, and every once in a while I get lucky and I say something like, "Oh, that was good." So, um, this is what he says in First Peter: "But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special." Possession. Now, I want to, before I go on, that special possession, we need to understand that uh, being special does not equal being superior. You understand that? Um, we can be God's special people. That does not make us God's superior people. Sometimes I think, like, you know... Um, you you have special jobs for your kids you know like oh you can be my helper like here's a special job for you that's not meaning like a superior job like this is this is crafted for you specifically and 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 so we need to we need to like this is oftentimes where people get off track this is how you kind of end up on the ladder with the megaphone a little bit is when you when you start thinking that you are god's special possession Or you start thinking you're God's superior possession rather than a special possession. All right, just wanted to clear that up. All right, now listen to this that you are chosen people, a priesthood, that you may declare, that you may declare, that you may witness to the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Next verse. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This, this, is, this, this tells the story of, of all of us, right? We were once in darkness, and God called us into light. We were once outside of God. We were apart from him. He called us unto him to be his people. We once had not received mercy, but now... We have received mercy. And so it's our job as, as, as people of God, as priests of God, each and every one of us, we are a priest of God. And that is, is one of the greatest jobs in the world, to, to have that responsibility that you can go around and declare the goodness of God, that you can declare the mercy of God that you can declare the kindness of God that you've experienced in your own life. There was a time when I had not received mercy, but when I submitted my life to Christ, I received that mercy. That is our job, to declare that nature of God to people. And I'm going to say it again. It, it's nothing that we do that saves people. It's the witness we have about God. That we can introduce him to God, that saves people, um, now this, this is this is like all fun and games, and it sounds really good um, until often God points us to that one person to show mercy to, right? That person who's ignored you. They've taken advantage of you. Maybe it's a people group. Um, They've made you feel small. They've been against you. They've been your enemy. Now, how do we react when God says, I want you to tell that person of my mercy? That's when it's like, but do I have to? Is there anyone else, God, that can do that? Uh, maybe someone that doesn't hate them so much, that might be like a good place to start. This is, it's, it's hard. I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That—that That is, be, being a priest of God is the greatest job in the world, but it's also one of the hardest jobs. When you listen and hear the voice of God and he tells you to go be merciful to that person you don't feel like deserves mercy... That's when you're like this this is tough. I want to I want to turn to to the story of Jonah. I feel like this story illustrates this so well. Um in first Jonah, it, it starts off it starts off. If you haven't read the book of Jonah in a while, I encourage you to go back to it. It's like four it's like three pages total. You can you can read the whole thing on the toilet. And um, Is that bad? Okay. I don't know if that, like, crosses some line of defecation while reading God's scripture. Um, just, just do it. It's a real short story. And, and you might be surprised. This is, this is, like, one of those stories that, you know, um, I was asking JP, I was like, do we have, like, flannel graph anywhere? You remember? You know what flannel graph is? That's, like, the, the flannel storyboard, and then you had the little Bible characters that would, like, stick to it. From Sunday school, if you don't remember, uh, and 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 I was like, this would be great to have a flannel graph because like I feel like Jonah and the Whale is like the classic, like uh, children's story. But it's awesome to go back and read them as adults because you're like, that was kind of saying something different than I thought it was a little bit. And this is totally one of those stories. So uh, we'll we'll start from the beginning. I want to kind of summarize. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Amittai? I don't know if you know. Uh, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. And then listen to this. This is directly where the story goes. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. It doesn't say why he ran away. It doesn't say... Uh, his reasoning, it just said, "God said to do this, and Jonah was like, nope i 'm going to go the other way. He literally goes the opposite direction um, so i 'll summarize the parts that you know, probably. Um, Jonah gets on a ship heading towards tarnish. God sends this mighty storm and and, and Jonah is asleep in the bottom of the ship, but but the pagan sailors who are on top are like something's off here. Like someone's God is mad at them. And so they wake Jonah up and and they cast lots to see whose fault it is, who has done something wrong, and it comes up to Jonah and they say, Okay, Jonah, who who are you? Where are you from? And he's like, Well, okay, I'm a Hebrew and uh I I you know, I, I served the God who, who made the land and the sea, you know, which when you get to that part, you're like, what a joke, Jonah. Like, you, you know that God is the God of the land and the sea, and you thought, like, eh, I can get away from God on the sea. Um, this story is, like, so full of, like, sarcastic, like, upside-down turns. Like, like, Jonah is supposed to be this priest, this, this priest This um, prophet. And 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 all he's making like the wrong calls at all the other times. But then you have the sailors, the pagan sailors, who who Jonah says to them, just throw me overboard. That would probably take care of it. And and they're like, really? We don't want to do that. And they try and sail back. They try and paddle back to the shore. And it's not working. The storm's just getting worse. So they're like, okay. Uh, and they throw Jonah overboard. And as they do it, they they're pleading to God, please don't let the blood of this prophet be on our hands and then the storm subsides and and the sailors on the ship turn and commit to the god of Israel and they're saved and so it's interesting so then then Jonah is gets swallowed up by a fish and he's in this fish for 3 days and 3 nights and 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 in that fish the all chapter 2 is this prayer from Jonah to God saying that he's kind of sorry, but that he's going to 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 follow Christ. He's like, okay, okay, or not Christ, God, and and and, I, and I'm going to go through with, with your plan, and and so with that, uh, the fish vomits up Jonah onto the shore of of uh, of where he was going. Um, now put Jonah uh, chapter three. Up. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to, in the message I give to you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Now, the interesting part where it says it took three days um, sheds light in what comes next. Um. Jonah began going a day's journey into the city and proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now, there's some weird things about this. First of all, Jonah walks like a third of the way through the city. And then he gives this message that it almost seems like Jonah is trying to like sabotage his own message, right? All he says is 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. In the Hebrew it's only five words. He says the short five-word sermon that that notice what it leaves out. It doesn't mention Nineveh's sin. It doesn't mention what Nineveh has done. It doesn't mention who is going to overthrow Nineveh. It doesn't have any message like if you read the other prophets they go and they give this word of warning but they say this is what you've done. This is what you need to do. You need to repent. But Jonah doesn't say anything about what the people need to do in order to change. And, and the most interesting thing, there's no mention of God in this, in this sermon. It's almost as if Jonah is just trying to sabotage his own message that God sent him to do. We can see, you know, he resisted at first, and we can still see this resistance in Jonah's message that God sent him to say, well, it doesn't work. In fact, all the people around him begin repenting. They begin saying, oh, we, we, we need to turn from our ways. And, and word quickly spreads to the king of Nineveh. And he says to all the people, like, he mandates a fast for the entire city that we need to fast and we need to repent. And even, even the animals need to fast. The whole entire city it turns towards God and and, and asks for his forgiveness. They say, let's do all this and maybe God will have mercy on us. Do you see the humor in this? This short, short sermon and God takes it and all the people repent. Um, Turn to verse 10. Next verse, chapter three, verse 10. Uh Uh-oh, is it not in there? Can you put it in there? Or I will turn to it. My bad. I put put the verses on myself, so blame goes to me. Jonah, if you want to turn to it yourself. Oh, okay. All right. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented. And did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. God chooses to be merciful to Nineveh, and what comes next is is so revealing in chapter four. But to Jonah this seemed very wrong. He became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing tarnish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. See, the moral of the story is this is why Jonah ran away at the beginning, because this, that, that prayer is taken out of, out of Exodus, almost verbatim, as, as to speaking to who God is, and God is, Jonah is throwing it back in God's face almost saying, "I knew see, I knew you would be merciful." The city of Nineveh was it wasn't just like a little like rivalry, you know, like we don't really like that town over there." It was a murderous, terrible, pagan city full of things like child sacrifice. It it wasn't a great place. And Jonah when 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 God sent Jonah to to Israel or to sorry, to Nineveh to tell them to repent, Jonah didn't want to do it because he's like, What if they repent? What if they actually turn from their ways and and, and become a God fearing city? They don't deserve that. What if that happens? God does not ask us to be his judge, he asks us to be his witness. He doesn't ask us to to look at people and size them up and decide whether they deserve the mercy of God. Let God decide that. Let God be God. What he does ask us is to tell tell of his mercy and to tell of his goodness. For some reason, and it's within all of us human beings, we, we want to put a limit. On mercy. We're like, we're all good with mercy as long as it's reasonable, right? Like there's a line. There's a line between deserved mercy and undeserved mercy. But there's no such thing as deserved mercy. That's what makes it mercy. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. No mercy is deserved. That's, that's, that's what its very definition is. And so we have to get out of this game where, where we measure up people and we decide whether they deserve mercy or, or they don't deserve mercy. If you guys would stand with me, In a, towards the end of Matthew chapter 18, um, Peter um, gets it wrong. We talked about where he got it right earlier. This is where he gets it wrong. Uh, he's talking to Jesus, and he, and he asks Jesus, uh, "How many times should I forgive my brother and sister? Seven times?" And you have to understand when Peter says the seven times, he's he's already like trying to get brownie points with Jesus, right? Peter is looking at the Mosaic law that says an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, right? You get what you give. So, so, so Peter is already feeling like, hey, seven times, like I think other people might forgive one time. I'm going to say seven. That's going to sound pretty good to Jesus. And Jesus replies with, not seven times, but seven times 70 And he goes on to tell the story of this king that was settling his debts with all his servants. And one servant came before him, and it says that he owed 10,000 talents. Now, talent was this measurement. Um, it, It was basically equal to 20 years' worth of work wages. One talent, twenty years of wages. So ten thousand talents is a lot. Four hundred thousand years worth of working. And so the king says, "Well, since you can't pay it, we're gonna have to sell off you, your wife, and your children." And the and the and the servant bows down and begs for mercy. He says, "Oh." Master, please have mercy on me. I will pay it back, but please, I will do everything I can to pay it back. But please don't take away my life and my family's life. Please have mercy. And the king looked at him and he said, Forget all the debt. I'm settling your debt. You don't have to worry about that anymore. And the same servant says, left the king and ran into another servant that, that owed him a 100 denarii, which was like a 100 days wages. And he said he grabbed that man by the throat and he said, give me what you owe me. And the man begged for mercy. He said, please give me mercy and I'll pay you back. Does that sound familiar? But the man, the un- unmerciful servant refused and and and, and took that servant to to court, sued him for everything he was worth. And when the king found out about it, wasn't wasn't very pleased. Right? Says, do you not understand? I I forgave four hundred years of wages. And you're holding this other man accountable. 100 years of wages or 100 days of wages we have to look at ourselves look at the mercy we've received from Christ and understand what a gift that is you understand when he forgave our debt He did so by sending His own Son to earth to die on a cross, paid the ultimate price. It cost God something to be merciful to us. And so we need to understand that and be humble about that. And keep that in the forefront of our minds when when we are being a witness to His mercy. Sometimes God will ask you to be merciful to people you, I don't really, no thanks God. But understand the mercy that you have been given and go and declare to them the mercy that you have been given. That's all you have to talk about people. You don't have to, you're not in charge of whether God is merciful to them. You can simply say, Hey, I too was once in debt. I too was once without hope. I too was once without light. I too was once without love. But let me witness to the one who fulfills all those needs. Let me tell you about the one who can change that. That's what it is to witness. That's what it is to witness to God's mercy you'd bow your heads with me. Maybe across this room somewhere, God is talking to you about how you are managing your own mercy. Talking to you about how you are being, are you being a witness to God's mercy? Or are you like Jonah refusing to go out tell people of God's goodness because you're scared that that they might come to understand God's goodness. That they may, may become family members to you. That they might become Christians. And if you're here today and, and, and you ask that God would, would work in you and soften you and put his mercy within you, that you may be a light, if you would just slip your hand up, we can pray for that right now. Thank Thank you. And maybe you're here today, and you're hearing about this merciful God for the first time. Maybe you are realizing that God is not someone who's waiting for you to trip up, to smite you, but he is someone who wants to love on you, someone who wants to, to have you be a part of his family, his inner circle, his closest friend, and you just realize that, that you need that mercy right now. If that's you, if you would just slip up your hand as we just pray that God would show you his mercy and his love. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for all that you are doing here in this place. God, we thank you for your mercy, which is renewed each and every day. God, we understand that each and every one of us are deeply in need of your mercy, that we are not above anyone else, that we are just as in debt as anyone else. But God, we thank you that you sent your son and that you relieved that debt, that we no longer need to live in bondage. We no longer need to live in darkness, but we are your people your chosen people, God. I just pray that you would be with this congregation as they go out from this place. God, I just pray that you would you would enable them to be a witness to your love and to your mercy. That they would see places in their everyday lives, in their work.